Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. I am thrilled to be here today interviewing Mike Holloway. Mike, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Arden. It's a pleasure to be here. So everybody knows who watches the show that I always stumble over bios and you have not made my job easy, I have to say, because you have like three different jobs from what I can see. Um, so for listeners and viewers today, Mike is best known, at least in my space, for the for being the CEO of Futures Healthcare, uh, which is a duly licensed program that addresses addiction and me- mental health in Tequesta, Florida. But he's also the president of GMH Ventures, a fully integrated commercial real estate company. And you've just started another company called Spirience. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, which is a virtual mental experience. Okay. Uh, a virtual mental health platform. So we've got a lot to talk about, but maybe yeah. we'll just start by Mike. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit about your background and what you brought, brought you into this space. And maybe you can explain the divergence between the mental health space and then the real estate side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you again for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so it, it probably sounds a little more confusing than, than it really is. But um, GMH are my, my father's initials, Gary Michael Holloway. Um, that's our parent company, um, our bread and butter. Uh, so we are a family office. Our bread and butter is commercial real estate. And actually my older brother, Gary, runs our commercial real estate portfolio. Um, I run and am the president of GMH Ventures, which is basically our, our alternative investment um, strategy within the family office. So my job, is on a day-to-day basis to look at opportunities to diversify our family's holdings. And we invest in various operating companies and and funds and different uh, unique structures. Um, we look for good, solid management teams and, and good, sustainable businesses. And we really are industry agnostic, Arden. We look, we look at investing um, you know, across different sectors, uh, just looking for good opportunities. And um, so that's where I spend uh, a lot of my time, uh, futures recovery healthcare being one of those investments, and that dates back to October of 2012. Um, I happen to wear the CEO hat of futures recovery healthcare because it is near and dear to my heart. Um, I love what we do, and I'm sure we'll dive spend most of this call diving into that. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 a fun job because I get to do many different things, wear many different hats. But um, I spend most of my time, believe it or not, on futures and being of support to um, my team there. I have a wonderful team on site. And um, quite honestly, I just um, help with the the strategy and and the culture. And I let my people who are much smarter than than me do what they do best. So um, you asked a question about kind of the bridge between mental health and commercial real estate. I'll say the bridge between mental health and anything we do in today's world is so is so important. And having, um, you know, having a first row seat, Arden, into what we do on my brother's side on the commercial real estate world, and uh, what we do in various operating companies, um, you know, mental health is 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 a key 
key thing right now. It's a buzzword for sure, but it's uh, more than a buzzword. And I think people are finally understanding that um, the investment in people and people's mental health is so crucial to the long-term sustainability of companies. And anything we could do uh, as providers in the space um, to, to work with each other, um, we're just going to become stronger. So uh, there's a huge parallel between mental health and, and, in my opinion, any industry. It's a great point. What prompted you to be interested or to start Futures? Yeah, you know, um, I remember the day my father came to me and he, he came into my office and he said, Mike, you're going to start a substance use disorder facility, uh, find out where it's going to be, and um, we're going to deliver the same level of quality of care that we deliver to our student housing and our military families all over the country. And I said, what are we doing? So I remember, and I'll just give you a little <laughs> bit of background. Uh, on a real estate side, um, we we were a public company for, for a number of years uh, in the early 2000s. And our primary space, Arden, was off-campus college housing and on-base military housing, the privatization of on-base military housing. So in many of those cases, we, we built, developed, managed um, those assets. And uh, one thing about my father is his attention to detail is just second to none. So um, the level of service that we brought to that to that sector was, was always impressive to me as a young kid. And, um, you know, when he came to me, um, I knew why, obviously, just like every family, you know, in the world, we, we all have our, um, you know, uh, our, our, our family members who have battled some level of behavioral health, whether it's primary mental health or primary substance use disorders. Um, and, you know, I come from a very, very large family. Uh, my father was one of 11. My mother was one of six. So across all that family, we saw, we saw a handful of, uh, of, of challenges, um, but none that couldn't be uh, overcome without the right level of care. My father having, um, you know, visited a couple different um, places during, you know, visits to, to, to loved ones said, man, there's got to be a better way to do this. So he came to me and said, look, I want to leverage our expertise in the real estate field. And I said, dad, there's one problem. We don't know anything about the clinical aspect of this business. <laughs> so he said, we could find it. And he was right. And, um, you know, 10 years later, uh, got uh, 11 years later now, I can't believe it, Arden. Um, here we are, uh, you know, thriving and, and, and providing great quality of care to, to our patients and their families. Um, I'll, I'll end with this on, on that question. When we first uh, got into this space, we thought we were going to become this super regional player like we were on the commercial real estate side. Um, and I know there's so many wonderful programs out there that do that really well. Um, I, I don't have that in me. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, today we're still one facility in one location, family owned, um, because the attention to detail and, it, you know, this, this is not a space for the faint of heart for sure. It's a great point. And I'm going to pick up on that thread because I feel like one of the things we see on the investment side is when people go into the space, they're not interested in just one facility. They're interested in one to become five, to become a national brand, um, especially if it's a financial investment opportunity versus, you know, somebody started a sober home in a, a neighborhood house. That's a little bit of a different model. But usually when people are coming with resources like your family, um, like your family has, and they have a real estate background, they have a very different mindset. 
and I know similar to us that you're a private pay facility. Can you talk a little bit about the decision to go that direction versus to go in network with insurance and, and what trade-offs you have to make when you make those kinds of chat, when you could kind of decide those two routes? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think at the heart of that, um, the answer is that, you know, when I talked about the quality of, of an attention to detail that my father put into building his real estate portfolio um, over 30 years, um, it was always, you know, no shortcut on quality. And I think, you know, in building out what we wanted to be at Futures Recovery Healthcare, although it's obviously evolved over the last 11 years, um, shortcuts weren't an option. And I, and maybe shortcuts is not the right term because I don't wanna say um, shortcuts, but, but, but quality of care and extensive resources uh, on both the clinical, the medical, um, and the amenity front were always uh, a front of mine. And obviously like, you know, any investor uh, or any business, a business needs to be profitable in order to succeed. Um, and, you know, in doing that, you have to run a model to say, in order to deliver what we want to deliver, what does it cost? Um, unfortunately, uh, there's very few in-network contracts um, out there that, that can, um, you know, uh, basically cover the, the quality of care and the level of care and the level of service that we provide. And we feel very confident in our model. And, um, you know, we know that every service that we provide is a meaningful service. I mean, it, it, and then a lot of the services we provide aren't gonna be covered by insurance. Um, sure. But we're not willing to cut them out because we feel that it's a, a vital aspect of, of our delivery. I think that makes total sense. And I think one of the challenges becomes, and, and you're right, I don't think cost doesn't always correlate with quality, but if your goal is to go in network with insurance, you're certainly starting from parameters that weren't necessarily established based on best clinical practice. They're established based on containing cost, if we're, we're honest. And that's one of the challenges, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many wonderful in-network providers out there, right? And and we've, we've wrestled Arden many times with, do we get into the in-network um, space because, you know, we have a marketing machine now being being open for 11 years that you know, it, it'd be nice to be able to tell a referent or, or somebody who calls uh, in through, um, you know, the through the call center that, yeah, we could we could help you with your in-network benefits. Um, but honestly, we know that uh, out of the gate, it'd be hard to, to match the quality of care that that other in-network providers uh, provide. And and the, the fact of the matter is, is is it's needed, right? Like not everybody has the type of insurance that will allow them to go to a private pay facility or not everybody has the the uh, ability to private pay for their treatment episode, um, but they should be afforded uh, good quality care. And there's a there, there's so many wonderful in-network facilities out there. It just wasn't, uh, it wasn't our model. And, and secondly, our building doesn't really lend to it. Um, you know, we kind of, yeah a big risk on buying our building it's it's on a you know 10 acre site in, in jupiter florida it's a hundred you know three story 105 bed 75 unit facility um, everyone has a private uh bedroom private bathroom every single patient that comes in there is going to sleep in their own room at night is going to uh, have their own bathroom at night no matter what program they're in um that doesn't really lend itself to an in-network model sure. 
So we had a couple different uh, reasons for that decision. So given who you serve and given sort of where you put yourself on the spectrum, can you talk a little bit about how you view the intersection between behavioral health issues like mental health and addiction and coming from affluent families? Are there differences in treating that population than the population is at that, that might be at an in-network facility? Are there things that you have to think about programmatically to shift based on the demographic who comes into your program? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a loaded question. But, um, uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously, you know, let me start by saying we, we think that, you know, obviously substance use disorders are a, you know, they're a bifactor of mental health, right? Like, um, you know, what we see is majority of the people who come to our program for primary SUD um, are diagnosed with an underlying mental health um, uh, diagnosis. And um, the, when you look at and you dive deep into the socioeconomic aspect of a family or a patient, um, there absolutely are those challenges and those differences um, because dealing with an affluent family means that you have a lot of different problems um, rooted from probably a lot of the same, um, you know, key diagnosis, whether it was a trauma event or, you know, a chronic pain event. Um, uh, they just look different a, a little bit. You just got to really study them. And that's why we constantly refine our program every, every year and, you know, throughout the year. Um, and it's also why we offer different programs at Futures. You know, we have our primary core, it's called CORE. It's our primary substance use disorder program. Um, it's a co it, it, it's a dual diagnosis program. So we treat the mental underlying mental health condition as well. We have our primary mental health program, which is separate and distinct from CORE, um, licensed by ACA. And then we have a RISE program, which is an adventure-based therapy program. And then we have an ARENDA program, which is, which is a uh, small, quaint, intimate, 16-bed uh, concierge um, wellness program, really. And, you know, we've had affluent, uh, very affluent uh, patients and families in every one of those programs. Yeah. So it's unique to see how one of those affluent Sometimes you have a, a patient that comes in and does much, much better in the core program because they need a little bit more of that rigidness and structure than they do in the arenda program. Whereas in sometimes in the arenda program, you see somebody thrive because they're a little bit better with that flexibility. They're there. They know exactly why they're there. They're putting their own dollars up. Their family's very involved. We, we're huge stress of family support in all of our programs. Um, so, so it, it really depends on the individual, not necessarily the level of wealth that an individual has. Sure. It depends on the family dynamics around it. How do they use that money? Um, you know, as, as a family, do they use it as a, a lure, as a reward, or is it just, yeah, we're very wealthy, but this is still what's expected out of you as a, as a human being and as a, a member of the society. I think it's a great point. And I think when you talk about the difference between core and Orienda, 
I'm probably mispronouncing that, but you know, That's one okay. of the things that pop one of the things that pops up to my mind is the families that we've served that know their loved one on some level, they know their loved one needs care, but they're reluctant to push an agenda too fast or the individual saying I need care, but they want it on their own terms. How do you balance that when someone's coming in and saying, I'll go to this, but I'm not going to go to that. How do you balance sort of their clinical needs with also the importance of engaging them from a motivational interviewing perspective and getting them to own their own recovery? But I, I think it is a, a challenge with this population. Oh, a huge challenge. First thing I would do is call you. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very good point. Right. And, and, um, Look, some people come in and they are model patient number one, right? They're in there. They want to do everything that you tell them to do. Um, and there's no questions asked. And, you know, you want you want to make sure they're getting their family involved and all the loved ones that, that are in their daily lives involved in their treatment. They're signing releases. Um, you want to make sure that they're starting on their aftercare plan day, you know, with it, we say day one, but reality within the first week of, of treatment, um, they're right on it, right? They're starting to understand what it means to go to PHP or IOP and to, to have a long uh, extended program in the outpatient world. So model citizens are great, but there are many people that, that come in with their own terms. And um, I'll tell you more than ever, that is where the buy-in of family is as important as as anything. The buy-in of, of, of spouses, of children. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we do our best to, to, most of our, not most of our patients, but a good percentage of our patients come prof from professional referrals like yourself. Um, so in those cases, we make sure to, to work hand in hand with the professional referrals as well. Um, anything we can do to have key decision makers or key impact people in their lives help draw healthy boundaries to making that patient understand what's important. Um, that's what we do. And, and on the flip side, look, you're going to, you're going to have uh, situations where patients are there and that's all you talk to. That's, that, that, that's yeah. who it is. And, uh, or you have families that aren't getting on board or loved ones that aren't going on board. Then you're forced to, to, to live with the situation and do your best to try to get them uh, to adhere to what's best as a clinical program for them. Um, and in, in some cases, you know, there's administrative discharges that have to happen or transfers to other programs that have to happen. Um, you know, we're, we pride ourselves that we're a program that is gonna meet everybody where they're at. We offer multiple, multiple pathways to recovery. And if somebody's not ex excelling or doing well at our program, we have no problem moving them on because we're not the best um, fit for them. Well, you mentioned family, which I think is so key in this process. Have you found specific aspects of your family programming to be more impactful with families? Is it the, I know some programs do a family weekend, some do individual sessions. Um, I know, and I know you kind of have to work with what you've got and you've got to work with a client if they're over 18, not signing a release and refusing to allow family involvement. But how do you think about that? Because I do agree it can be so impactful if you have the family involved, especially with a client that's got a low amount of insight into their own behaviors. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, we, we try to work on it from, 
from pre-intake to, you know, to admission and, and throughout the process to get, um, you know, to get those key uh, people that are in their life involved. And um, so, so once I'm going to speak as if we get them over that hurdle and we're talking, you know, with uh, uh, healthy releases in place, um, we, we've really doubled and tripled down on our family involvement. In fact, now we have a fully staffed, uh, fully dedicated family team dedicated to Futures, all four programs. Um, so any patient that comes into Futures, um, they get a primary therapist, they get a primary case management manager, those two will be with them throughout their entire stay at Futures, and they get a family specialist. Those family specialists, we call them family support specialists. And we're very careful to do that because their job, although fully licensed and great clinicians, is not to provide clinical care to the family members, so, but, but to provide guidance and support to the family members of what it means for their loved one to be in treatment and to be going through treatment. Talking about healthy boundaries, talking about enabling, talking about enmeshment issues, um, all those things that, uh, you know, I know Arden, you and your team preach, preach all the time, um, it, it, are, are stressed. And that resource is always there for that family and those family members. We do offer uh, every third week, we offer uh, an in-person um, uh, family session on site where, you know, any patients uh, who have been in there for um, a certain period of time their, their family, active and family members in, 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 the, in their uh, treatment episode are invited and take part in a face-to-face weekend-long uh, family program, which is, which is fantastic. And then the last piece is, you know, our primary therapists who are um, assigned to each patient, their job is to get the family members on a clinical aspect working with our, our patients one-on-one. So um, we, we, you know, try to try to foster as many of those meetings and, and healthy discussions as, as we can. Um, so so really, our approach is to kind of take all that, you know, all those resources I just talked about and try to tie it together as best we can as 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 a program that um, just you know offers that family support from all angles. Interesting. Talk a little bit about this new venture, and I'm not going to pronounce it again. But tell us a little bit about this new mental health platform that you're creating, and what was the what was the motivation behind that? Yeah, it's called Spirance. Um, it is very difficult to pronounce, so uh, <laughs> you know, don't worry about that. Um, so you know, our slogan is: it's not just an not just a benefit; it's an experience. Um, Spirance is a, a, a fantastic uh, company. It's 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 an early stage company. But here's where it started. It started about two and a half years ago, um, where a couple teammates and and I started working on a a, a program within Futures Recovery Healthcare Care called Peer Proactive Engagement and Employee Recovery. And really, the main person behind this at that time was Laura Coons. Um, Laura and I worked tirelessly at at trying to uh, create a solution to. Um, alleviate the pressures of insurance reimbursements direct to companies. And the idea there is, is like, look, if you have skin in the game with your employees and, and the lives that you manage, so it could be an employee's loved one that's on the healthcare plan, um, 
and you partner with the provider and are active in discussions with the provider and the provider is willing to put skin in the game in terms of relapse guarantees and other ideas, then you have a true partnership and you're setting that loved one or that member up for the best level of success. So those discussions evolved. We signed a couple peer contracts. We still have them today. They're working great. And uh, Laura and I kept bouncing these ideas off of you know other leaders like like Tammy Malloy and Elizabeth Potts and and Drew Delisandro and uh, having other outside conversations with companies like WellWorks. Uh, Tom Tegler over at WellWorks has been a fantastic partner of ours. And um, I remember a good friend of mine, Tony Frick. Uh, um, co- making a a big statement on how the key today is prevention, right? Treatment is great. It's always needed and it's always going to be needed, but what can we do to properly prevent and educate people on the front end so that we minimize the amount of treatment episodes we need, right? Look, love what I do, love being in the treatment space, um, love helping people. And there's always going to be that level of need when somebody is in a, um, you know, critical state and needs residential treatment. But how about if we as a, or as a, as a country, as a world can get to the point where education and prevention is so natural, the stigma, stigma is completely broken down. So in a nutshell, we launched Spirance and Spirance is basically a service curator and uh, marketer of services that we have provided at Futures for years and years and years. So we're not providing clinical experiences, um, but what we do is, is we curate all the professionals, we have content from the professionals that we have. We have on staff, we have relationships with contractors, we have relationships with unbelievable reference, uh, which reminds me, Art, and I have to talk to you about uh, us spirits, um, uh, you know, that, that have such an unbelievable, powerful message and we take that and we video it, produce it high content, and uh, and we offer a, a, a beautiful library that is basically a PEPM asset that companies can buy. Um, second um, uh, part of our foundation foundation offering is we, we offer weekly webinars hosted by, again, one of our professionals. Um, and that weekly web, webinar is a 30, 20 to 30 minute presentation followed by 20 to 30 minutes of Q&A. Anybody who has this asset from their company can tune in and listen to a real life situation that's happening. And then our third foundational program is uh, weekly webinars related to family educational support. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's the same webinar structure that I just discussed, but it's purely focused on the family. Um, and then we have five different offerings that are a la carte. Um, those offerings are uh, in-person and virtual wellness retreats, critical incident stress disorders. Um, uh, we're building out currently a network of trusted providers, right? People that we as futures trust. And uh, if somebody calls in through that, you know, through experience, we have the ability for no, for, you know, for no additional charge to, to provide them with the resource that's best for them at that given, given time. Um, so we have a lot of different cool ideas uh, a la carte offerings through Spirits as well. It's fascinating and it's a real compliment, I think, to the bricks and mortar sort of intensive treatment. As you said, 
you know, both the prevention end and the treatment end, I think what I've learned in the past 12 years of business is we're going to see increasing models that meet people where they are along the spectrum of care, but also in the format that they want. Some people respond really well to apps like Ginger and text therapy. Some people that's not sufficient enough. They need to be in office. Some people need to stay at a place like Futures. Some people may get sober a totally different way and have one webinar where a family says, we don't even need the intervention. We now know how to change the way we're interacting with our loved one. So I think it's great. I think I'm gonna end on just a general question. So it sounds like you've got your hands full with lots of exciting ideas and new platforms and new company innovation. Anything else that you would say to our listeners about where the field is going or things that you would like to see changed in the behavioral health space? Uh, I, I would say to the listeners to um, to keep an open mind and you know to to realize that the 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 delivery methods and the tie-in of unbelievable new ideas into a space that has historically been pretty archaic and thought and I don't mean that negatively I'm just saying that you know there's so many bright people who are studying uh, on the clinical sector and the medical sector of this space that are bringing unbelievable new ideas into the field. Using technology, um, you know, AI is going to be a big buzzword that people are going to hear uh, down the line. I just want to say be open-minded, right? And that's why at Futures, our key is multiple, path multiple pathways to recovery. We believe that every individual is is you know, their own individual. That's why when we um, when we have any new patient that comes into Futures, we do a complete integrated summary on every individual that walks through our doors. So that in integrated summary includes the outcomes of all the assessments that we facilitate, um, which include uh, psychiatric, medical, nursing, and clinical evaluations, um, as well as in specific cases, uh, psychometric testing. So we're really doing that deep dive up front to understand what it is that that individual needs from both a treatment stay at Futures and the ongoing uh, aftercare plan. Technology is gonna play a major play in that going forward. Um, education. So these new ideas, these cutting edge ideas that the, you know, that differ from, you know, the unbelievable and hugely reliable, you know, 12 step approach, which is definitely an area where people you know, thrive and is needed. Um, there's so many other ways to approach uh, mental health. And I don't even think, given what we just went through with COVID for three years and, you know, the, the craziness in, in our world uh, politically, as well as, you know, some of the financial pressures that we're under, we're going to see many, many more mental health diagnoses that look and feel so much different than what they have in the past. And we gotta be flexible, we gotta be collaborative, and we gotta work together, but be open-minded in embracing strategies that, um, that that are on the forefront. And I understand they need to be clinical, clinically proven, but, but they will be, and I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of really neat things out there that, that people are working on. I love that answer. I think it's a great way to end, Mike, because I do think 
those of us who've been in the field for a long time, we're in the field about the same amount of time as you are, know we don't have the silver bullet answer. And every family, every individual comes to us with a different story, different needs. And anybody who says, well, this can't work, or I'm not even gonna look into this potential new form of treatment, I think is missing an opportunity where we might have incredible advances. So I wanna thank you. Thanks so much for your candor today. Thank you for what you're doing to help improve our space and for serving client family so well. Thank you to our listeners and our viewers today. If you're so inclined, please give us a great ranking on one of your podcast platforms of choice. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Arden. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.